0: Bilbo met the guests and additions at the New White Gate in person, and El gave away presents to all. Hobbits give presents to other people on their own birthdays. Not very expensive ones as a rule, and not so lavishly as on this occasion, but it was not a bad system. Actually, in Hobbiton and Bywater, every day in the year it was somebody's birthday, so that every hobbit in those parts had a fair chance of at least one present at least once a week. But they never got tired of them.
1: Hey, 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 Tolkien ears. I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N and welcome back to Keep, Keep on, on Tolkien. Tolkien. Burr, burr, burr. And it's uh it's that time of year again, children. Yeah, it's yeah. the our last episode of this
0: season. Yeah, yeah. And it also coincides with the great winter holidays. Yay. Ooh,
1: holiday season's upon us.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh very, very cold here in Minnesota right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like negative two right now. I mean, that's not super, super cold, but it's it's bone cold outside, mm-hmm. uh, and it's very
1: dark. There's no sunlight. I think that's really the worst part. That's way worse than the cold. Yeah, it's just around here. It's really uh, dark and cloudy all winter.
0: Yeah, uh, sunset is at like three p.m., and it's just it's just great, guys. So we're doing uh, real great with all the sun without all the sunlight. We're not going crazy at all, <laughs> not at all. But anyways, yeah, happy holidays, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't particularly enjoy or understand Christmas, which is the holiday that my family celebrates.
1: But Merry Christmas anyway to you. Happy Hanukkah as well. Yeah, Happy Kwanzaa, or pretty much uh, happy any other holiday that's real or imagined. Yeah, which are just as valid. Yeah, they're all just as valid. Like I said, uh, we both grew up Christian, so we were obligated to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, that's what uh, we're both we're both pretty used to that. Yeah, that's our thing. Um, but we don't want to exclude everybody, and uh, we don't want to exclude any other creeds or cultures. So we thought we'd just kind of do the theme of gifts for this episode.
0: Yeah, because everybody in late-stage capitalism society seems to agree across the board on this one, that it's time to give gifts in the winter, right? Right. Maybe that's because the winter's so long and
1: shitty. that. What else, like, what's, but yeah, what else are you going to do? Give somebody a present. Cheer them up, you know? So today's episode, we're going to be talking about some of the cool gifts that were given out by various characters in Tolkien's Legendarium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And without further holiday rigmarole, let's get to the list. The list. Here we go.
0: I, I really wanted to start off this list with a bang.
1: Yeah, when I, <laughs> when I first uh, reviewed over what Danny had going for this episode, I got to the first one and I just kind of laughed. Because, I mean, it's true. It's a, it's a really good one to start on.
0: It's technically the first gift given.
1: Yeah. So, and
0: that's the gift uh, of of death. Um <laughs> and let's start with uh what that means. And uh this is the gift that nobody really wants to talk about. And we got to talk about the children of vilavata here.
1: <laughs> it's the it's the gift that people don't really want to have either. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So children of Ilavatar, elves, they're bound to the song of the Ainur, right? And they are part of the earth itself.
1: They're more earth-made sentient than actually dwelling on earth. However, men are not bound to Arda. Men are subject to old age and death, and this is called the gift of Ilavatar. Men are released from the world, and they're eventually free from its troubles and its bounds. And this basically dictates that men are free to create their own destiny. That reminds me of that quote from Terminator 2, no fate but what we
0: make for ourselves.
1: Terminator 2.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not in the original song of the Ainur. What if there was a whole section of the Ainur which is just Terminator 2 from front to finish?
1: It was such an important thing Ilvatar had to include it in creation.
0: Well, yeah, this is actually a gift. Like, uh, the sweet release of death is a gift. Um, And they say such in the Silmarillion, so.
1: Yeah, it's actually quite a point of contention for the Numenoreans.
0: Yeah, and speaking of uh,
1: kingly gifts or really dope gifts, what's next on the list? Yeah, that kind. That's a good segue into the next thing (laughs) on the list, because the next thing on the list is, in fact, the island of Numenor itself. The whole damn thing. Yeah, so let's talk about another gift to men uh probably even cooler than that sweet sweet release of death
0: <laughs> so on numenor in the early second age the island of numenor was brought up from the sea by the valar as a gift for the Edain for standing with the elves against morgoth in the war of wrath at the end of the first Age.
1: yeah so the greater part of those Edain who survived the defeat of morgoth journeyed back to the island sailing in ships provided and steered by the tilleri elves
0: yeah, and the migration took 50 years, and it brought between 5,000 and 10,000 men, women, and children.
1: Yeah, I know it's kind of a big gap, you know, it's like 50 or 100%, you know, mm-hmm. but th- these are the numbers we have. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a fictional thing. So.
0: Yeah. And uh, well, these Numenoreans were also, uh, as part of this whole gift of a new island, uh, and new a new start, basically, is their gift. They were
1: uh, granted
0: the lifespan three times of that of average
1: men. Yeah, While most Numenorians lived around 350 years, some of the royal kindred could actually live for over 400 years. That's pretty crazy. And just a fun fact, that resulted in older age of adulthood, around 25 years in Numenor. So for a long time, Numenor remained friendly with the elves, both of Eryssea over in Valinor and of the ones back on Middle-earth. And we've got an excerpt about this. Then the Edain set sail upon the deep waters, following the star and the Valar laid peace upon the sea for many days, then sent sunlight and a sailing wind, so that the waters glittered before the eyes of the Edain like rippling glass, and the foam flew like snow before the stems of their ships. Setting their course toward the star, the Edain came at last over the leagues of sea, and saw far the land that was prepared for them, Andor, the land of gift, shimmering in a golden haze. Then they went up out of the sea and found a country fair and fruitful, and they were glad. And they called that land Elena, which is star Wars, but also Anadune, which is Westerness or Numenore in the high Elderan tongue. This was the beginning of that people that, in the gray elven speech, are called the dunadine, the Numenorians kings among men,
0: yeah, yeah, and that yeah, that's. I think that's, like, the coolest gift ever given.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, really, they got more than just an island. They got, like, extended lifespans. Yeah, it was, and, it was part
0: of a package. Yeah, yeah it, was a real, it was a
1: pretty sweet package, deal. Yeah, it
0: was a gift. And uh, believe it or not, segue into the next uh, uh, one on the list here, it's not the first time that a country's been given as a gift in Tolkien.
1: I had never even thought about that until yeah. just now. That's a great segue. <laughs> yeah, we're about to talk about another whole-ass country that was given as a gift. And that, of course, is the country of Rohan.
0: That's right. In uh, third, so a uh, little bit of background on what uh you know what Rohan actually is is in third age twenty five ten an Easterling tribe uh, named the Ballock. Is that right? I think so. Ballock. They invaded. Bal- Balcot. Bell. Balcoth? Yeah,
1: Balkoth. So the Balkoth
0: invaded the northern parts of Gondor, and they forced Gondor's army back.
1: Yeah, the northern men of Ravonian at the time, who were now called the Aothead, they rode to the aid of Gondor and turned the tide for the battle of the field of Celebrand, defeating those Easterlings. Yeah, and as a sign of
0: gratitude, the uh, current steward of Gondor, Kyrian, gave the depopulated province of Kalinardon. To the
1: Aothade, and they established the realm of Rohan with Erol the Young as their first king. Yeah, a permanent alliance between Gondor and Rohan was established after that. Yeah, that, that's really what established that... Uh, that bond, yeah. That they, bond. They swore an oath, too, at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the years to come, Gondor had to contend with constant invasions of orcs and Haradrim and Ithilien, and the corsairs of Umbar raiding the southern coasts, while Rohan was assailed by the Dunlendings and the Easterlings... And uh, during that entire time, the only aid that really came to the two kingdoms was from each other.
0: Yeah, that was pretty much, they were. They both had their backs, they're fighting back to back. <laughs> Essentially, they're really trying to just keep uh, enemies off from all sides. All right, moving right along the list. Let's talk about uh, a, a set of gifts. And these are uh, in the the Lord of the Rings, right?
1: Yeah, so this will take place towards the end of the Fellowship, right? Yes, yes. When they're going through Lothlorien and they get the gifts of Galadriel. Of course, we've got to talk about the gifts of Galadriel. They're so important.
0: Yeah. And uh, I picked uh, the most important ones out of the
1: bunch. Yeah, because that'd be kind of a lot to go through.
0: Yeah. I didn't want to go through all nine of them. So I picked, uh, I think, three. But yeah, so let's get into some of the important ones. The chief one, in my opinion, being uh, the gift she gives to Aragorn which is uh, the
1: Elisar, also known as the Elfstone. So, yes, Galadriel gives Aragorn the Elfstone, and that is a green gem that was actually made back in Valinor, and it contains the light of the sun. And all who look upon it see things that are old but uh, anew. And the stone was brought to Middle-earth by Gandalf himself, or at the time called Oleron, as a token to show that the Valar had not forsaken man.
0: Yeah, and uh, he gave the gem to Galadriel and made the following prophecy. It is not for you to possess. You shall hand it on when the time comes. For before you grow weary and at last forsake Middle-earth, one shall come who is to receive it, and his name shall be that of the stone. Elisar he shall be
1: called. Some of those sweet Gandalf prophecies.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that, of
1: course, is when Aragorn takes the name Elisar and is known as that. From pretty much then on. Yeah, and the uh, stone becomes an heirloom of the House of Telcontar. So presumably just you know, went on to survive into the Fourth Age. Mm-hmm. So uh, another one of the gifts of a Caladriel I wanted to touch on is the file that is gifted to Frodo. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this file is, uh, within it is caught the light of the
0: star Eärendil, which we know from our First Age history is actually just a dude Named Earendil, son of Tuor, (laughs) uh,
1: with one of the Silmarils attached to his head. Which really, really means... That that light that's shining from his head is actually light of the trees. Light of the trees. But uh, the method by which this light is captured in the file is not specifically explained, and it actually was the cause of a huge debate in our book club a week or two ago. Oh yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty rough. Uh,
0: <laughs> it got really heated. It got heated. Um. Yeah. Do you want to explain the two sides?
1: So okay. So there are. There were basically two arguments going on. Um, So one of the people in our book club brought up that she was under the impression that the light of Eärendil was caught in the water of her fountain, Mm -hmm. which is explained in the text Mm -hmm. explicitly. Mm -hmm. And then she assumed that it was that water that was scooped into the file, and it was the water within the file that gave off that light. Yeah, but I have a
0: theory because like that sounds kind of goofy to me. I so the the, the vial is made of crystal, which is like it's a, it's a craft of gemsmiths, right? Right. And the Noldor are known, like we just talked about, the LSR, right, is another yeah, thing that specifically,
1: it has, yeah, specifically made by Noldor. Yeah, yeah,
0: made by the Noldor, and it captures the light of the sun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just shit like that. The Silmarils do that too. Mm-hmm. It, these are all crafts of the Noldor, so I assume that the light was captured within the crystal vial itself. And the water's... I'm not saying the water's not for nothing. It's, it's a cool bonus to have. I'm sure it has virtue of its own. Mm-hmm. But the light itself, in my opinion, is probably caught in the crystal.
1: I don't know. See, I was kind of in the encampment where I was like, why choose a file if you're not filling it with something that's worthwhile so i guess i always figured that it was the water especially after the excerpt from the text where she talks about you know the light within the water of her mirror i guess i just always assumed it was it was the water that was shining not the file see
0: i think it's i think it's the light is caught within the 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 crystal glass what do you guys think um yeah let us know let us know it's in if it's known somewhere too, also point us in that direction because we haven't been able to find it an answer
1: for it (laughs) yeah we we we, honestly we looked so hard because this debate got so heated really for no reason but yeah we digress
0: we digress but let's talk about the vial it hugely aids frodo and sam on their journey
1: through kirithungal and mordor yeah sam uses it when he's fighting she and he also uses it to break the spell on the watchers
0: yeah and those are those evil magic statues that stood guard around the tower of kirithungal
1: yeah so he used it to pretty great effect
0: yeah very useful item very useful item also, it turns out to be very useful is, uh, speaking of Sam as well, is uh, his gift, which is the Box of Earth.
1: No, I was just thinking back about the file. What now? I'm kind of surprised that Sam and that they were able to carry it so far into Mordor. Like, at one point, I would have probably just been so thirsty, I would have tried to fucking drink it. Like That's a
0: good point. Why didn't they drink the water out of the vial?
1: Because mm. mm. mm.
0: the light's not in it, so. <laughs> Fuck you. That's how we know that's how we would have known who who was right if, if they, they would, would have, have drank, drank it. God it God damn it, damn it
1: oh but yeah moving Back on to is, <laughs> moving on to Sam's gift. Sam's gift is a good one
0: yeah, this is one of my favorite gifts that she gives and yeah, that's the box of earth, and uh she was given to Sam um uh it was given to Sam in honor of Sam and Gladriel's mutual love of things that grow
1: yeah, she gave him a small, unadorned box of dirt. From her own garden. And there was also a small seed in there.
0: And it turns out later that that was actually a friggin' malorn tree.
1: Yeah, and Sam plants this, the seed of this malorn tree, in place of the old party tree, which, as we know from the scouring of the Shire, ends up, uh, it ends up being destroyed. Destroyed. Yeah, when the evil men come take over the Shire. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot of symbolism in that with the tree growing back even bigger than it was before and right. just like him carrying that box. It's, so, yeah, so the, the box of earth was a really cool gift for Sam.
0: Yeah, it's one of the things he carries like all the way through Mordor and doesn't lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about another
1: gift of Galadriel.
0: And this one's actually, uh, I didn't know it
1: was as significant as it was until recently. Yeah, this one's really cool and we're talking about the three strands of hair that Galadriel gave to Gimli. Yeah, and it's highly
0: highly uh, significant because uh it's a it's actually um, a significant a symbolic token of peace between the Eldar and the Naugrim that the uh, you know it, they their relationship had gotten so tumultuous.
1: Yeah, it had been sour for, for thousands of years <laughs> yeah. at this point. For a while. Yeah, for ages since the first age it's been it's mm-hmm. pretty sour. Like yeah. they never really got off on the right foot to begin with. Like they had a mutual understanding when they had a mutual enemy at first, but then things got way out of hand. So it's been like that for a long time. So
0: let's talk about why is it so significant.
1: So Galadriel's magic-ass hair, careful with that
0: hyphen, has uh, within it the mingled light of the two trees.
1: Yeah, and this concept that her hair alone could capture the light of the trees drove Feanor crazy, and three separate times he begged Galadriel for just a tress of her hair and she refused him even one single strand every time she was just like hell no yep
0: on three separate occasions
1: nope <laughs> yeah and then now consider <laughs> the animosity between elves and dwarves right mm-hmm. and how feanor couldn't even get one strand of hair and then she's just like oh sure dwarf here's three here's three yeah here's i'm sure three. feanor's probably rolling in his grave
0: oh yeah feanor's pissed. He's just a pile of ashes
1: somewhere, though. Fuck he he kind of cremated himself. He he did. He kind of like <laughs> poofed and just like flew up into the air.
0: Self cremation? What? That would be so cost efficient if we did that. We just all burst into flames when we died.
1: <laughs> that would be really. That would be really efficient. Yeah, that'd be sweet. No more burials. No more awkward like open casket funerals or yeah, anything yeah. like that. just like poof. <laughs>
0: oh, uh, yeah. Open to the sky. The ashes float.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so back to these three these three hair strands.
0: Yeah, so after the War of the Ring, Gimli sets them in stone, and they become an heirloom
1: of his house. It's kind of like a Silmaril 2.0. Yeah,
0: it's really, uh, yeah, dude, it's like it's like light of the trees, third, like tertiary light of the trees, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. caught in her
1: hair, set amid a stone. But I like how this time it's three strands of hair set amid one stone instead of light set amid three stones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. kind of cool. It's cool, yeah. So it's essentially like Silmarils for the Dwarves. Yeah, but yeah, it becomes an heirloom of Gimli's house from then on, which is pretty cool. That's that's a hell of an heirloom. Yeah. Because that means his house has that now and the Arkenstone, right? Because that's uh, Dúran's folk over there in Erebor. Well,
0: his house, because he moved to, um, he started the Helm's Deep community, remember? Okay. After the war, uh, Gimli started like I guess when I'm
1: thinking of houses, I'm thinking of the seven main houses of the Dwarves. Oh, because no. Because... Uh, Gimli falls under the same, they're all long beards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I guess maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I
0: think he meant like House of Glóin, essentially. Gotcha.
1: That makes more sense. Yeah. But hey, those long beards, though. Hell yeah. They're apparently rich as fuck. Yeah, they are. (laughs) They really are. Yeah, we found that. Did I share that article? I know I sent it to you. Oh, about the horde of smog.
0: Yeah, it's like twenty times the uh, GDP of the whole world or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, uh, well, one time we hypothesized we weren't sure what the number was, and we said it was like the GDP of a country. No, it's, no,
0: it's way more than the it's whole. Like GDP. ten times the GDP of the world. Yeah, it's <laughs> insane.
1: All right, so let's hop on to some other gifts here.
0: Oh, yeah, this is Joel's favorite. This
1: is Well, this is an interesting one because I don't, thinking back on this now, I don't know if I approve of this as a gift. Why? Considering it's a sentient being. I don't know if you can really gift a sentient. It's a dog. It's a sentient. Okay, so we're talking about (laughs) Huon, the hound of Valinor, who was technically a gift.
0: Yeah, he was a gift. So yeah, Huon, like we said, a sentient wolfhound bred by Orome in Valinor, bred for a single purpose, i.e. hunting
1: right, and companionship. And this guy, they call him a hound because he is huge. He's huge. It says he's the size of a small horse. Yeah, because uh, humans and elves can actually ride him ride right on his back.
0: Yeah, and he's like the greatest hunting dog like literally ever. He's
1: able to kill wolves with a single move, you know, like neck snap.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's like some John Wick shit. John Wick style. Was, yeah. He was given to Celegorm, uh, son of Feanor, as a gift from Oromë himself during the Years
1: of the Trees. Oromë Orme being, Orme being the hunter Valar. Yeah. And Celegorm, uh, more than the other sons of Feanor, was really into breeding hounds and hunting. So it was a pretty appropriate gift. Yeah, and that's something that they continue to do in Middle-earth after the Noldor first came back over the sea. That's just prior to the beginning of the First Age. It was on one
0: of these little hunts that the Sons of Faenor were doing that uh, Huan came across uh, Luthien. And uh, at this point, he becomes an integral character in the tale of Baron Luthien.
1: Yeah, Huan helps Luthien rescue Baron from Sauron's dungeons. And he also fights and bests Sauron himself in wolf form. <laughs>
0: yeah, dude, that's like one of my favorite scenes ever. Yeah,
1: there's a prophecy that Huan could only be slain by the greatest wolf who ever walked the earth. Yeah, and Sauron says, oh, cool, that's like me. Yeah, and Huan just says, no, not today, bitch. Yeah. Hell no.
0: Yeah, pins him down, is like, I'm gonna take your fucking skin. <laughs> yeah. Huan goes on to save the lives of Baron and Luthien several times throughout the story. But, as the prophecy poor tells, he is eventually slain by the great wolf, Karkaroth.
1: Yeah, he's mortally wounded. And he basically bids Baron farewell as he dies. Yeah,
0: and then Baron dies, right? They just both die right there. And we got a, a,
1: a fun little uh, excerpt about uh, Huon. Now chief of the wolfhounds that followed Kellegorm was named Huon. He was not born in Middle-earth, but came from the Blessed Realm, for Orome had given him to Kellegorm long ago in Valinor, and there he had followed the horn of his master before evil came. Nothing could escape the sight and scent of Huan, nor could any enchantment stay him, and he slept not, neither by night or day. But Huan followed Keligormen to exile and was faithful, and thus he too came under the doom of woe set upon the Noldor, and it was decreed that he should meet death, but not until he encountered the mightiest wolf that would ever walk the world.
0: Yeah, dude.
1: Yeah, Huan's a pretty fucking awesome character.
0: Yeah, I love Huan, man. He's great. It's he really also gets to speak three times before he dies, yeah, too. Yeah, three times. Yeah, the third time being, I'm dying, sorry, bye. <laughs> yeah, basically, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, Huan's a, a a debatable, if you can give a sentient being as a gift, but he's a cool gift. <laughs> yeah, it, Yeah, he's
1: a cool character. I love him. So the next item on our list of gifts here is the Nauglamir, and this is kind of a... This is a
0: gift twice over.
1: Twice over, yeah. (laughs) Initially, you know, it's good, and then it's kind of a backhanded gift. But uh, So the Nauglamir, this is the necklace of the dwarves that was originally made and gifted to Finrod Felagund from the dwarves of the Blue Mountains. And uh, in those days, uh, the early
0: part of the First Age, the Noldor and the Dwarves were were pretty close. Um, They they, uh, had a lot in common, actually. They both loved smithcraft and highly revered the Valar Ale.
1: And by the time of the coming of the Noldor into Beleriand, in the beginning of the First Age, the Dwarves were really good at metalwork. The Noldor, however, were the fucking shit
0: at cutting and shaping of gems. So, much like a Crosby, Stills, and Nash type of situation, what do we do? We collaborate.
1: Yeah, so these dwarves and elves, they took some of the dopest gems that Fenrod had brought over from Valinor, and they set them in the dopest necklace that the dwarves could possibly craft.
0: Yeah, and felagon that was like one of his prized possessions. And yeah. he loved treasure, man. That was like he was all about treasure. But eventually, after the death of Fenrod, uh, Nargothrond fell. And the Naoglamir stayed there in the Horde of Glaurung
1: for a little bit. That is until the coming of Huren Thalion after he was let go from Angban. Huren comes in and he retrieves the Nauglamir to again give it as a gift. Yeah, and this is not the nicest, in the nicest nature. Yeah, not, yeah, not, in yeah. The, not in the good way of gifting. I hope nobody's planning on giving this kind of gift this holiday season. <laughs> this
0: spiteful fucking gift.
1: So Huron makes his way to Menegroth, where he basically casts the Nagalmir down at the feet of King Thingol, and he sarcastically says that it's a gift for the safekeeping of his wife and children, who are all now, presumably, who are all dead now, so... He's yeah. like, yeah, good job. Here's yeah. your payment.
0: And if you don't get how hard that diss is, check out the story of the children of Roran. Yeah, it's pretty intense. The Naglomir also comes heavily into the Silmarillion when Thingol decides to ensnare it and himself in the Oath of Feanor. And we all really know how that goes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Nothing good ever comes of the Silmarils, really. Yeah. So on to another gift. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. This is a, a very expensive
1: gift as well. This one's fun. So, uh, one of the gifts we wanted to touch on is Bilbo's Mithril shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was actually gifted
0: several times throughout its history. The origin of the coat of Mithril rings is not wholly known, but it is said that it was pro- it was made for a young elven prince long ago, which I'm thinking... Might have even been a gift from the dwarves.
1: I would think it would have to be, because the dwarves were the ones. They were the Mithril guys. Yeah, yeah. they were not only the ones known for having Mithril, but they were also the ones known for making really good mail. So, yeah. if you're making a Mithril mail shirt, it was, it's prob- gotta be dwarf it was made. probably yeah. a dwarf. So, Thorin Oakenshield gave the coat to Bilbo just before the Battle of Five Armies.
0: Yeah, he had found it down in the the Horde of Smaug.
1: One more good you know, indicator, it's probably dwarf made.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Gandalf actually says in the Fellowship of the Ring that the coat was worth more than all of the Shire and everything in it. Which says a fucking lot. Yeah, it really does. And one thing that I didn't know uh, is that Bo- Bilbo actually loans the this coat to the Mathen House, which is a, a little museum in Mickle Delving in the Shire, which is the capital. And it's got like all the historical like weapons and armor and stuff like that. Um, apparently mathin is a word used, uh, by hobbits for things they don't have use for, but are, uh, unwilling to get rid of.
1: Yeah, I suppose they really wouldn't have much use of a Mithril male shirt in the Shire. They don't do much fighting. But anyway, that shit is just
0: sitting in this little ass museum. Like, I'm thinking like National Treasure 3, Nick Cage comes <laughs> and steals
1: the th- shit from the museum. Right. Like, do any of the hobbits there have any idea no. how expensive that, like, d- I don't know if any of them actually know that that Mithril shirt that you have in your museum is worth more than the Shire and everything in it. Yeah, dude. And Like, like if, if any of them knew that, everyone would be trying to steal that shit. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or I wouldn't even
0: be, want to be around it, honestly, because that's just like too much trouble's going to follow that Right.
1: <laughs> you know, people are going to be breaking into the Mathen house trying to steal that shit.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Bilbo actually took the coat with him to Rivendell when he left, though. So it did stay in the museum for a little bit, but then he took it with him uh, after his 111th birthday.
1: Right. Because as we know, Bilbo secretly gives the coat to Frodo at the beginning of the War of the Ring. And this is what saves Frodo's life on several occasions.
0: Yeah. Two noteworthy times. Uh, uh, One is during Moria when Frodo is stabbed by an orc chieftain, and the rings of the male are actually driven through his leather hauberk and into his flesh.
1: Yeah, so he's got, like, indents of rings in his flesh. Yeah,
0: so that's how hard he got stabbed. Uh, Yeah, Aragorn just treats that wound up right away, though.
1: Yeah, pretty simple for Aragorn. And uh, during the scouring of the Shire when Grima Wormtongue tries to shank Frodo like some punk-ass bitch... Obviously, saves his life here, too.
0: Yeah, it actually snaps the blade right off in his hand, too. Oh, damn. I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so the Mithril shirt, a pretty awesome gift.
0: Awesome gift. Another awesome gift given by the same person
1: is the sword Sting. So Sting is a sword that was chosen by Bilbo Baggins from the troll horde that they came across during the quest for Erebor. And the original user of the blade is unknown for sure, but... Danny J of Kot Podcast has a theory.
0: I have a theory, and uh, it is the theory that this is the childhood blade of Arondel,
1: who would have been a
0: small boy at the time of the fall of Gondolin, <laughs> which is the last known location before the Troll Horde. And it's also paired with Turgon's sword and Excalian sword. Right. Why would this weird little worthless type sword? Be with them. No, it's because it's a Erendil's sword. It's super significant.
1: Super significant.
0: That's got to be it. That's
1: got to be it. <laughs> so Sting was uh, basically a dagger or a long knife with a jeweled hilt. And Bilbo most famously uses this blade to kill many giant spiders in Mirkwood during the quest for Arab War.
0: Yeah, and he actually names it Sting after killing his first spider with it. <laughs> and uh, Bilbo gifts Sting to Frodo, again, another gifting, uh, uh, to Frodo
1: before the War of the Rings. And Frodo uses Sting to great effect during the Fellowship's tough time in Moria. And we've got an excerpt about this here.
0: Suddenly, and to his own surprise, Frodo felt a hot wrath blaze up in his heart. The Shire, he cried, and springing beside Boromir, he stooped and stabbed with Sting at the hideous foot. There was a bellow, and the foot jerked back, nearly wrenching Sting from Frodo's arm. Black drops dripped from the blade and smoked on the floor.
1: Yeah, I think we also acquired from this excerpt that apparently the uh, Noldorian blades hold up to troll blood, where some other metals do not.
0: Yeah, yeah, because uh,
1: uh, for because like when H- Huron, for example, his axe like whittles down from like yeah. the yeah, troll blood. It, yeah, exactly. But, uh, that doesn't happen here. That's it's the, yeah, cool. the
0: caustic troll blood doesn't affect this blade. It's uh, pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, we know th- those uh, the blades of um. We talked about this, uh, the blades of Westerness also.
1: Are, oh, yeah. Because Pippin kills one. Right. Kills a troll with it,
0: and it doesn't eat the
1: blade. So later, Sam uses Sting for many cool things, including making Sheila fuck the fuck off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he fucks her up good with it. He shoves it up her ass, and she leaves. Yeah, and she,
1: she skedaddles.
0: <laughs> get on, get. Moving on, Sting was given to Sam by Frodo after
1: the War of the Ring. One more gifting. So this is what, like the third gifting? Yeah.
0: And then Sam actually left Sting with his daughter, Eleanor, when he sailed to the Undying Land. So that's another there you gifting.
1: There go. That's the third gifting. Yeah. It's another gifting. But yeah. hey, well, that's an awesome gift, though. Yeah.
0: another. Yeah. And it's a great fucking gift, and it's very friggin' useful. Right.
1: And uh, our next gift on the list actually here is a, a sword as well. Yeah, on the subject of Swords. Let's talk about Anglikel, which was also a gift.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Anglikel's a sword, and its name means flaming iron and cinderin.
1: Yeah, and Anglikel is one of two swords that was made by Ael, the dark elf of Nan Elmoth. Fuck that, dude. Yeah, the other no- the other sword's name was uh, Angurel, uh, but that was stolen by Ael's son, Maglin, when uh, Maglin and his mother, Eredel the White... Uh, ran off and tried to make it back to Gondolin.
0: Yeah. It can be assumed that that sword is uh um, <laughs> wherever Meglin's ass is because kick, uh, Tour kicked him off the top of Gondolin.
1: Right, yeah. I can imagine that's yeah. wherever everything else from the sacking of Gondolin but is. But that
0: sword didn't make it into the fucking troll horde.
1: That's true. Yeah. Why not? Because it's not Arandil's. That's true. See, <laughs> we, we love to fantasize about how the swords of Gondolin got from the yeah. fall of Gondolin to the troll horde because that's just crazy. It's a mystery.
0: So, the gifting of Anglicale, right? It was actually, oh, uh, well, this isn't really a gift. This is more of a, <laughs> a payment. But Anglocel was originally given to Thingol as price for AL being able to live in Nan Elmoth.
1: Yeah, the blade, Anglocel and also its sister blade, were they were both made from a special black metal that only Ale was known for. And this was called Galvorn
0: yeah and it was created from meteoric meteoric iron that fell to earth dude i just saw an article that said um they found daggers made with meteoric iron in tut's tomb that is trippy yeah isn't that crazy because that's way before the iron age right right so like not only did they they found iron but it was a meteoric iron and they made it into a blade it's really cool that is really fucking cool but it said that, Alv- uh, that Galvorn that could actually cleave all earth d- of all other earth delved metals.
1: So I mean it cuts through metal. Right, that's crazy because that means it's going to cut through even dwarven mail. It's going to cut through swords, other swords, and, yeah. swords and helmets and, Could you
0: imagine the i yeah, like with fucking like, like touring with it? You, yeah, that, you like go to like parry a blow or whatever and God. it just goes right through your sword and cuts yeah, your fucking armor? Yeah, that arm off.
1: massively tall strong monster wielding that thing as yeah. swiftly and heavily as he does. I can only imagine that would have been horrible yeah no wonder the orcs were all so scared mm-hmm. now during the story of the children of hurin when thingal sends beleg cuthalion to go find his adopted son turin beleg asks for a sword of worth yeah he he
0: said it's because the orcs are coming now cl- too close and too thick for uh his for a bow only
1: mm-hmm. and the sword he has is no match no match so, uh, King Thingol basically says that you can take any save uh, the king's own sword, Arunruth. Yeah.
0: And uh, when he chooses this particular blade, Angluchel, uh Melian the Maya warns him against it. And she says that the malice of its maker lies within the blade.
1: But as we know, Belic goes ahead and takes it anyways, because what the fuck does a Maya know? Yeah, what does Melian know? Yeah, you know, just everything. You know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah,
0: we all know how that ended up. And if you don't, um, check out the Children of Hurin. We do an episode about it. We talk about it a few times. It's a fun story. Or check out the Artifact Swords episode to learn all about this sword in general. But we got a uh, a fun excerpt from uh,
1: the Children of Hurin about Beleg and Anglico. Then Thingol gave Beleg leave to do as he would, and he said, Beleg Cuthalion, for many deeds you have earned my thanks, but not the least is the finding of my foster son. At this parting, ask for any gift, and I will not deny it to you. I ask then for a sword of worth, said Beleg, for the orcs come now too thick and close for a bow only and such blade as I have is no match for their armor. Choose from all that I have, said Thingol, save only Aaron Ruth, my own. Then Beleg chose Anglickel, and that was a sword of great worth, and it was so named because it was made of iron that fell from heaven as a blazing star. It would cleave all earth-delved iron. One other sword only in Middle-earth was made like to it, Angriel, and it was made of the same ore by the same smith, Aeol the Dark Elf and he kept it until it was stolen from him by Maglin his son.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think that's probably one of my favorite swords. Of that's all that's time. my
0: favorite sword period.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it's between that and Narsil. I just love Anglical just because I also really love Galvorn like Yeah, the idea of the cuz the sword is so OP. Right. If I could have my choice, I would have Dwarven mail, elvish armor and uh anglical as a sword oh yeah dude or angry or, you know yeah either, either one really yeah. <laughs> any galvorn just fucking yeah crazy.
0: that's why like i can't imagine if they ever did a children of who are in uh series or anything like that like watching turin fight with this blade would be absolutely crazy that's, well i you should could do
1: so many tricks with it i think i'd actually prefer gore thang
0: yeah, when it's black and yeah, when because it's Because when it's reforged and, it's glowing and, and it shit. glows. So it's yeah. like the best
1: of both worlds. Yeah. Because Aeol the Dark Elf made it with Gjalloran, but then the Null Dorian Smith's like, like improved it.
0: Could be Celebrimbor too. We talked about that. Yeah, it could have very well too. been. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I think my yeah <clears throat> my, my sort of choice would probably be Gorthang.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to the last gift on our list, guys. This is a cool one. Not often talked about.
1: Yeah, this is... I was excited to talk about this one. So this gift we're talking about is the Horn of Rohan. <laughs> and the horn, uh,
0: the horn of Rohan is a silver horn that was given to Mariatic Brandybuck by Lady Eowyn after the War of the Ring.
1: It is an ancient work of the dwarves, actually. And it ended up in the Horde of Scatha the Worm. That was after the fall of the Grey Mountains. And Skatha, the worm, was actually slain by Fram, who was one of the men of the Eothad. He was actually the fourth lord of the Eothad at that time.
0: Yeah, we were just talking about this earlier in our warm-up. This is off-script, guys. That story is really cool.
1: Yeah, that story is super metal because it's all... (laughs) Because Skatha's horde is all dwarfish, it's all dwarf, yeah. It's all dwarfish treasure and shit. Mm-hmm. But then you've got Fram, this Eothad guy, this this man, this Dane, yeah, who comes up and kills Skatha. <laughs> Do you want to tell him what he fucking does? <laughs> yeah,
0: he so he claims the horde for himself, which uh, the dwarves aren't super happy about. Not at all. And then uh, when they get all pissed off about it, he sends. <laughs> he makes a necklace out of the teeth of Scatha the worm and sends it with a rude
1: note i don't remember what the was you remember what the, the note said yeah the note said something like uh, treasures like these are hard to come by and <laughs> you'll never find any of them in your hordes or something like that basically <laughs> like i killed the dragon i'm keeping this shit yeah. good luck good trying to get trying to
0: get it back yeah yeah, yeah, it was it was,
1: uh, <laughs> it was very sassy. It was pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. I can only imagine it fucking infuriated the dwarves. Yeah.
0: Fram's one of those unsung heroes of the low that we should talk about sometime.
1: Oh, yeah. So uh, after Fram takes his horn from the uh, Horde of Scatha, the horn becomes an heirloom of the House of Aeorl.
0: And then like we said A- uh, earlier, Lady Eowyn gifted it to Brandy Brandybuck in uh, honor of his deeds in the Battle of Pelennor. And also is a sign of their personal friendship because they're war buddies. If you think about it, yeah, they're pretty tight. Yeah, they spent a lot of time together, not knowing <laughs> him, not no, knowing they are going to live or die. Well, no, it, he didn't know it was. Uh, he thought it was Dernhelm.
1: Oh, when you Oh, yeah, they they, <laughs> did, they did spend a lot of time together as <laughs> Dernhelm and Mary. Yeah.
0: And uh, Mary uses the Horn of Rohan twice during the scouring of
1: the Shire. Yeah, the first time is to basically raise the alarm of the Shire and get everyone awake. And he blows the Rohan call followed by the Horn of Buckland call. So
0: Yeah, so you can also do multiple pitches on it. Apparently, apparently yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a master with his horn. Yeah.
0: And the second time is after the Battle of Bywater. Frodo decides to go up to Bag End and see what the fuck is the fuck up up there. And uh, <laughs> Mary blows the horn when all the hobbits are marching up Bagshot Row and that's their we're not gonna take it moment. <laughs> Dude, do you think he can play that on the horn?
1: <laughs> that's what he's they're just like bumping up the road. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> yeah, so ultimately this was such a such a monumentous event that every year in the Shire after the War of the Ring, Mary would blow the horn on the anniversary of its first use during the scouring. And this, of course, was followed by feasting and dancing and fucking partying,
0: dude. Of course, it's Hobbits, man. So Buckland was lit as fuck every fucking uh, November 2nd, which me and Joel were talking about how cool late fall or late summer, early uh, or late summer and spring would be in the in the Shire because you got to look at it this way. So like end of summer, right? Mm hmm. To usher in the fall, you've got Bilbo and Frodo's birthday, which they're obviously going to celebrate. No matter, awesome, no matter what, right? Obviously a party. Oh yeah. And then November second down in Buckland, you got this shit going on—the whole horn calling business—and then a few days later, I assume that they're going to be uh, um, celebrating the Battle of Bywater, right? Yeah, up in Hobbiton and Bywater. So that's going to be a fucking party too.
1: Yeah, because that's technically the last war in the war of the ring right yeah so last battle in the war of the ring so, so it's, it's the, probably eventual- celebrating the end of the war the
0: ending of the war in general yeah so yeah it would have been uh fall would have been fun time to be in yeah, the shire
1: a lot of celebrating a lot of good times
0: Right, guys that's the end of the list we came up with uh that was just a brief overview of some of our favorite gifts in the legendarium
1: yeah let us know if we didn't talk about all of your favorite gifts in tolkien let us know what some of those are
0: yeah yeah, yeah. there's a lot of them and there uh, some of them are very important but before you go, duh, 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 we have a little holiday bit for you guys. All right, yeah, and this little bit, we like to, we're we going to call it A K.O.T. Christmas.
1: Yeah, it was another collaboration with our friend and frequent collaborator, Joe Vasky.
0: Yeah, and he's the one that kicked cancer in the nuts, and uh, he's doing all right. Obviously, he's writing comedy and shit. So, uh, yeah, he's back on track, but he, <laughs> we uh, spent way too long writing this sketch together. So, here it is, and hope you guys enjoy.
2: "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, except Danny and Joel, for they were recording their podcast late into the night.'" "'That was a good session, dude. I think that episode will be fine.'"
1: "'Yeah, it's probably my fave, talking about Morgoth and how he
2: loved to 69.'" "'They were so full of Christmas cheer, Joel suggested they go into the kitchen and grab a few beers. Then Joel said to Danny, not even abashed, "'Hey man, would you like to get trashed?' "'But Joel, it's Christmas Eve.'" "'Well, if you don't want to party, you might as well leave.'" When all of a sudden, a window did shatter, and a brick flew in, and a shape crawled in on a ladder, Danny and Joel did loudly exclaim,
1: "Oh, what the fuck? Dude, super lame.
2: The boys waited anxiously, and stood resolute, but then broke into smile, as Jolly St. Nick brushed off the broken glass from his red suit.
1: Ho, 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 it is I, the giver of gifts. Sorry for my entrance, I had to take a lift. The reindeer unionized and now won't work Christmas Eve, and get this, they even want paid medical leave. Uh, I guess good for them. That sounds smart to me. Well, the elves are indentured, so I come bearing presents. Come see.
2: Danny and Jolt stepped close to Santa. By the Christmas tree, he was lit.
1: Can we hurry this up, though? I gotta take a shit. Well, what do you want for Christmas? Ask for anything. A puppy? A train set? Or maybe a shiny new ring? Oh, I don't know, a PlayStation? No, no. 100,000 bees!
2: Danny looked around at all the broken glass on the ground.
1: Uh, just a new window,
2: if you would please. Santa looked kind of dismayed, perhaps regretting the card he had played. Santa stood up tall, and his face was hot.
1: Well, you're getting rings, whether you like it or not. From the front lawn, a clear voice they did hear. Stay this madness. The wielder of the flame of honor is near.
2: Gandalf burst in the front door, and with one mighty strut, he moves across the floor and kicks Santa square in the nuts. Saint Nick gave a cry, and his knees they did buckle. Then Gandalf went to work with brass knuckles.
1: Come on, Gandalf, it's Christmas,
2: don't be a dick. I don't know, man, this is pretty fucking sick. Santa laid on the floor, beaten and bloody, with tears in his eyes. It's Sauron, you fools, you fell for his lies.
1: All I wanted was to give super cool rings to you guys. Those rings are of evil
0: magic advance. Whoever should wear them, 50% of farts will end with shit in your pants.
2: Then Gandalf drew down, and with his bare thumbs, gouged Santa's eyes, making Sauron abandon his fair disguise. "'Why with these boys have you had such dealings?'
1: "'Oh, they make fun of me on their podcast and it hurts my feelings.'" Joel and
2: Danny were amazed at what Gandalf did next. Some bushes baked beans appeared in his hand, and to Sauron he force-fed the whole can. And to his fingers he magically bound the two shiny rings. Sauron quaked on the ground. Then with his staff, Sauron he violently hit. "'Where's the weed, Sauron? Give it, you shit!' The wizard smelled the bag to make sure it was ganja, and cried aloud, Fly you fool! For that was his mantra. And then Sauron took flight, his shit-stained pants illuminated by the soft glow of the moonlight. So passes Sauron,
0: may his pants always be poopy. Then Gandalf held up the weed, and said with a smile, Now it's time to get loopy, and smoke on this chronic, this shit's carndum kush hydroponic. But Gandalf, is that safe to smoke? But really is it any good? I say we roll up and take a small toke. Now, now say what you want about Sauron. He may be a twit, but he always really did have good shit. Danny, Joel, and the wizard
2: rolled up. They drank and they smoked all of Sauron's bomb weed and had a great Christmas indeed. For days they partied like they had never partied before. They had beers and drank whiskey and took rips off the bong as if Gandalf had been their best friend all along.
1: All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, that was thoroughly ridiculous. I'm glad. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> we
1: had a lot of fun. We had to do a couple takes before we could actually do it straight-faced.
0: Yeah, it was fun. Uh, and yeah, and thanks to, uh, yeah, like we said earlier, Joe, for uh, helping us write it. And then uh, also our, our buddy Trevor Dunlap, who came to do the voice for that. Yeah,
1: thanks, Trevor, for joining us today.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's not here for the rest of the episode, but he's here for the bit.
1: Because... <laughs> We couldn't do that many voices ourselves.
0: Movie magic. We recorded that bit earlier. Whoa. Uh But yeah, that's that's pretty much it for the uh, this year's 2019 KOT Holiday Special, guys. Happy holidays to everybody out there.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, hopefully you have a great uh, season. This is also the last episode of The Run here.
1: Yeah, so uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be coming back to you in the spring or the late winter.
0: Well, if you're from Minnesota, it's late winter. But yeah, spring for everybody else, yeah. So <laughs> probably like, like yeah. March or April, probably. We're not sure yet, guys, but we'll get back to you on it. Um, And, uh, yeah, enjoy the holiday season and enjoy your off-season without us. I know we're going to enjoy the shit out of our off-season.
1: Oh, yeah, we're going to (laughs) relax. But, uh, as always, thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to follow us on social media. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at KOT Podcast.
0: Yeah, and if you want to follow me personally, uh, I'm uh, at Danny J, that's J-A-Y, K-O-T. And make sure you follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash official Keep On token, And also join the KOT Talk group that's on there. You can uh, ask us and other listeners uh, direct questions. And we also uh, post some funny memes and stuff on there sometimes. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun
1: um also if you're more of a visual person be sure to follow us on instagram at keep on tolkien podcast and then of course subscribe on soundcloud or itunes or wherever you get your podcasts at that website.com forward slash keep on tolkien and uh, yeah stay up to date on new episodes and while you're there be sure to give us a rating or a nice review if you like us
0: yeah, if you don't like us, that's fine too, but just uh, don't be so vocal about it. <laughs> um, thank you, th- thank you, thank you so much for giving to the Patreon. Um, that And if you're interested in subscribing to our Patreon, it is www.patreon.com slash KOTpodcast. And Patreon is a subscription service that helps to support us because KOT is a 100% DIY podcast.
1: Yeah, the podcast ultimately it's, uh comes out of our pockets to you know get it all put together and put it out on the air. So donations really help us so so much to make sure we can get this work done and. Keep at a uh, consistent quality that you guys expect.
0: Yeah, yeah. Think of it as you know a little tip jar. If you got, if you're like, yeah, those guys are cool, and I want to support them a little bit, you know, maybe do a subscription. Also, you can cancel whenever. So if you, you know, times are tough or whatever, you can cancel your subscription at any time. But while you have that subscription, you are also privy to exclusive content that uh, we record. Uh, also, kind of fucked up, but uh, that's there for you. <laughs> exclusive content on Patreon.
1: Yeah, we like to have fun with that content, so it's always kind of not safe for work. Just a little heads up. Yeah. But uh, that's about all we've got for you today, guys. Yeah, yeah. We're going to miss you in this off season.
0: But we'll be back. Don't worry. But we'll be back. Don't worry. For season fucking five. Right? Five? Yes. Yes. Is the, yeah, this or, now? Oh, God. Yes. Season five. Season five. Yeah, we'll be back for season five, guys. We've been renewed. We <laughs> g- we got the green light we from gre- Netflix. Yeah, we got our Netflix green light at us. Uh, we <laughs> called them up. But yeah, I've had a lot of fun today, guys. Uh, I'm Danny J.
1: And I'm Joel N. And as always, (laughs) keep keep on talking.
0: All right, and to Uluva.
1: (laughs) That was uh, was unique. That was an adventurous one.